Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast. I am your host, Blake. Make sure you check us out on our website at www.themetalpit.org and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit and on our YouTube channel at The Metal Pit 666. And you can email this podcast at podcast at themetalpit.org if you have any comments, questions, album suggestions or whatever. Now, today's episode is a special episode because we're not doing a discussion on a classic metal album, which we usually do. But this one, we're going to be talking about the Wacken Metal Festival, which I'm going to pronounce it Wacken. I hope that's right for people in, at least in Canada, can say Wacken. <laughs> As one of my writers, Billy, was just there for the festival. Hi, Billy. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, Blake. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. And you gave us, if people follow us on Instagram, there was lots of posts from the festival, some reels of short videos of the bands playing. And this is yeah. you, this was your 10th visit to Wacken, correct? Yeah, correct. And when was your, I know COVID canceled too. When was the last one you were at before this one? Uh, yeah, 2019 would have been the uh, last year. So it okay. restarted in 2022, but I actually, I decided to skip it just because we didn't know what the travel situation was going to be. So to be on the safe side, I skipped that one. Yes. And it, I was reading some, that was 20, well, they still had, yeah, they still had a full thing, I guess, didn't they? Yeah. I see. But, but. Yep. Yeah. No full festival. Yeah. Now they've just, cause you told off, like you were talking about that you had to buy tickets the next day, which we'll probably get to, but, and if they sell 85,000 tickets, I guess they've only did that the last three years. So they must've increased it. Or I don't know. It's a little confusing because on Wikipedia, which I'm looking at has paying attendees and then it has attendees. So it says last year there was 85,000 paying attendees, but there was 110,000 attendees. So I don't know what that means. Uh, they let yeah. 30,000 people in for free. I don't really know what that means. Do you know what that might uh, mean? I mean, that, yeah, that's a bit odd, but I, I would expect a couple thousand extra just for all the crew and everybody who's running the place because it's kind of like a whole city, right? This festival, yeah. So, so sure I don't there's know, extra thousand, uh, just to run the uh, run the festival and all the stands and stuff. And it, like it says, the current. The festival for next year sold out in four and a half hours, which is the mm. fastest I think it's ever sold out. It was yeah. five hours for this year's festival, it says, <laughs> if this is accurate. Yeah. But anyway, it was just something I was reading. So first, let's see. Oh, first, before we talk about that, you just attended, you're in Toronto, Ontario, and you just attended the Lamb of God and Pantera show last night. So how was that concert? Oh, it was good. It was, uh, I, I mean, I, I literally just landed from Europe in the afternoon and then uh, straight off to uh, that show. So, so it was quite good. Uh, sold out crowd at the Budweiser stage. Um, you know, interesting mix of people. I'd probably say of the crowd, uh, half were, were, were sort of very young the other half kind of in their late 40s, early 50s. So a good mix of people. Um, you know, I thought Pantera did a pretty good job, right? Like it'll never be the same uh, mm -hmm. without Daryl and Vinny. Um, but I mean, all things considered, like getting Charlie uh, Benante um, uh, and, uh, oh, his name escapes me. Yeah, Zach, Zach Wilde. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are probably as good of a, a replacement. I'm, I don't like to use replacement, but uh, as good of a stand in you're going to get for 2023. Um, so, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good. They, they played probably a good uh, hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes. Uh, they hit some deep cuts, uh, all the uh, popular songs. So, yeah, I thought it was a good show. Uh, I, I was impressed. And that that uh, Budweiser Gardens there in Toronto, it's probably fifteen thousand to twenty or something thousand. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's 15 or 16 rings a bell. I think it's somewhere yeah. around there. If Yeah. With all the, uh, you know, the grass all sold out on the top. And we're going to, and you mentioned this before, we're going to talk about off can off of audio. I mean, <laughs> about how expensive the beer was at Toronto show compared to <laughs> in Europe. So we're going to get, we'll get to the beer at, Wacken festival here sometime. So first question, well, if anybody was following anything about Wacken, we saw there was a lot of rain and a lot of mud. So how did you deal with the weather for this show? Festival? Yeah, so so <laughs> like you know, weather is always crazy at uh, at the festival. So so you're literally way up in like northern Germany. So uh, unpredictable weather is the norm. You know, so in my 10 years, uh, I would probably say five years, it was extreme heat. Uh, so it's like 35 degrees and you're sunburned and it's too hot. Uh, and there's like very little covering for you. Like, so uh, that's the one extreme or it rains uh, and it rains and it rains. So this was probably... Um, the worst year, I think, in the worst year in the history uh, of the festival for rain. Uh, it just created, like, I think they said about 25% of the campsites uh, were unusable, just flooded. So that was a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. Just walking around literally in the mud, uh, like it goes right over your boots. I mean, every single footstep, it's like your feet just suction in the mud. Um but you, you you know you plow through it right like it, it, it's always going to be the con of the effect of this particular festival is the weather uh there's no doubt about that and unfortunately you can't do too much about it the organizers were you know i think overall did what they could they were putting down boards that you can walk on they were putting chips like wood chips to soak up the mud mm -hmm. um but it just kept raining and it kept raining and it rained a week before the festival. Um, so yeah, it, it was a pretty tough situation, but you know, at the end of the day, all the, the benefits and the enjoyment uh, and, you know, being there with all your fellow metalheads from around the world, you know, that kind of offsets uh, the pain of the weather because <laughs> uh, it was painful. And, and, you know, like I'd say, you know, I was like, you know, my first, uh, uh, festival was probably uh, it was 2011 so you know I was a little younger there so all the footsteps are a little easier but uh, <laughs> but you know what can you do I mean I, I'd probably say the average age of the festival is probably my age uh, mm -hmm. in the late 40s early 50s so um, yeah you just kind of make do and you know uh, that's just part of, of what, what Wacken's all about you got to deal with it now, I was, you read, you know, people complain, of course, and there's a people, of course, that had tickets and then they couldn't go because they couldn't get there. How did you find the updates from the festival to people? Because you weren't even sure what was going to happen when you were there exactly. But how did you find yeah. how they handled it? Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess a couple things on that front, right? So, like, I know it's very difficult for, for the organizers and, you know, as I understand it, the police was involved, the city was involved and, you know, I'm sure they got their insurance company involved. Like everybody's trying to make these decisions. Um, and you don't know, will the rain stop? Will it not stop? So, so I would say, you know, generally they, they sent out like a, a broad communication kind of once a day. Um, and, and so, you know, I guess in a perfect world, we would have got a, a little bit more communication. Um, but, you know, I, I got there early. I actually arrived on Tuesday. Um, so, you know, to some degree, uh, you know, some of the, the evolving situation didn't impact me. Um, given I was already on site. Um, but but I was getting worried. I, I remember uh, Wednesday morning, uh, that was going to be the first day of the festival. And that's where first time in the festival history, they said full stop, nobody else is getting in. Uh, the grounds are just too bad. So uh, I mean, so at the end of the day, 50,000 people got in uh, of the 85,000 people. But I remember waking up Wednesday, grabbing my phone, I was 
in my tent on the grounds uh, and reading. Uh, and so, wow, full stop, right? So nobody else is allowed to come. So that was huge. Uh, but the other thing that got me worried was, you know, they're just saying we're going to have to take the festival day by day. You know, they were like, we will do our best to put on a program, uh, but we'll have to make that call every day. So literally in my mind, I'm thinking, well, wait, this may not even like continue. Uh, we may not even get a festival. Um, and so long story short, it, it, they actually, with the exception of Wednesday, like where everything kicked off about five or six hours late, um, which is very unusual for, for the Germans. I mean, they run these things like clockwork. So, you know, something's wrong uh, mm -hmm. if the festival's not starting on time. Like he, I was literally there watching on the main fields and they had the tractors going through these massive tractors with tires big taller than I am and they're just trying to they're, they're just like scooping the mud and trying to make it better uh, on the uh, the main stage area so people can stand up there um, but yeah so, so so it didn't look it, it was looking pretty grim for a while there on Wednesday the start day but you know every day the we still had rain but the weather got a little bit better the rain let up um, and, you know, by Wednesday night, the festival was running perfectly uh, like every other year. So very impressed with the organizers. They, you know, they really, you know, did a good job. And, you know, unfortunately, what that did mean is, you know, probably, you know, like 35,000 people. Uh, and some of those people, you know, you saw it online, were coming from South America, uh, Canada, US, like, you know, we're talking spending thousands on flights, you know, arrived into Hamburg, uh, Germany, and basically to find uh, you're not getting in, right? So you just spent all that money uh, yeah. and you're not getting into the festival. So I felt really bad for some of those people, uh, like people from Australia, even like just like massive expenses to get there uh, and they just didn't get in. So, so that's a shame. Yes. Now, uh, what, now you helped me with the, some of these questions that I'm going to ask you because, well, you've experienced it. So, you know, the kinds of things that you can talk about. So you asked me to ask you, what was your worst whacking experience this year? Now, I'm going to assume it was the weather. So is there something besides the weather <laughs> that would be the worst experience this year? <laughs> no, I think the weather's got to uh, got to top it. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, there really wasn't uh, uh, like like a bad experience outside of the weather. I mean, the uh, the first day, you know, as I mentioned, the festival kicked off uh, about five hours, you know, late. So, like, I did unfortunately miss a few bands, uh, or or what I'm not even sure some of the cool bands I wanted to see. I didn't see them playing at all. So either they got cut given that they were running so far behind uh, or they were just putting them on different stages or squeezing them in. So that first day, even though they kicked off the festival, it was a bit tricky to follow because you'd show up to a stage and the band you expected wasn't playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, so that was a bit of a negative, but again, uh, understandable given the uh, circumstances, but uh, yeah, weather hands down was the uh, the worst part now how many how many uh stages is there yeah so um the uh, stages are split up so all the biggest acts play on the two main stages and that's called the uh, infield area um so they call those two stages harder and faster Mm -hmm. um, so those stages are literally side by side and they alternate one band and one band you know okay. so um, so, so that runs very smooth. Um, off to the side, they have the next biggest stage, which is called Louder. Um, so you can see the theme, harder, faster, louder. Um, so the Louder stage is quite large too, but it's for the bands that are not quite big enough to play those uh, two main stages. Mm -hmm. um, 
then we have this area um, that, that's called the uh, the bullhead area. So you have two smaller stages called the uh, headbanger stage uh, and the wet stage. And that's where a lot of the cool smaller bands play um, who are uh, playing the festival for the first time. Um, so that's kind of a cool uh, area there. Uh, and those stages can be playing at the same time as the other stages. Yeah. Um, and then two other decent sized stages too. Uh, they have something called a wasteland stage uh, and a Wackinger stage. And um, those are those two stages are in these two themed areas uh, of the festival grounds. Like the wasteland is like this whole Mad Max area uh, where, you know, if you picture the movie, they've set everything up to look like that. And the uh, Wackinger area is very much like uh, a medieval theme type area. Um, so really you've got those uh, seven stages. Uh, oh. And of those seven, you probably have like five running uh, most of the time oh at the same time yeah because the grounds are just massive like like it, you, and when you're standing there watching a band like you're really not hearing the other stages so it doesn't get in the way like you wouldn't even know it to be honest yeah okay so what was your best whacking experience this year uh so probably the uh I mean, I'll state the obvious. So super happy that it actually, uh, given I made the trip there and was literally camping on the grounds that the festival actually continued. Um, so, so that was pretty cool. But, you know, one thing, you know, and, and this is probably a great, you know, this is definitely a great thing every year. Um, it, it's outside of the music, it's the camping. Um so, so I, I, you know, basically everyone who goes to the festival uh, has to camp on site. So it's basically this massive farm. Um, and so there are a few uh, third party providers that rent your tent. Um, so I always do that. So months in advance, I rent a tent. So I know I get there. I've got my tent is ready, my sleeping bag. Uh, there's a little chair, you know, there's uh, one of those air mattresses. So I don't have to haul all that from like but it's the, the chatting with people there because of that setup where it's generally people who are coming from all over the world, just chatting with people, right? Like, so uh, on, on my area, I had somebody from Taiwan. I had probably about five people from uh, Australia. We actually had one German right there as well. Uh, and then we had people from Brazil, Ecuador. Um, it was just, and then, you know, like in between bands, you come back to the tent and you know you're just chatting with people and like getting to know people from around the world with the same interests it's just that's just such a big part of the festival that you have to experience mm -hmm. um just the culture, right? I call it the culture uh, of uh, Wacken. Uh, it's just all these metalheads from around the world. And, you know, some people say 85,000 people, that's too many. You know, a lot of people, you know, that I talk to in Europe, they're like, oh, the festival's too big now. I go to smaller ones. But, you know, the size doesn't bother me, right? That's just so many more cool people that you meet. And mm -hmm. everybody talks to everybody, right? Like you're standing there, language doesn't get in the way uh, people talk broken English and you know try to get through and you're in the beer garden and you're talking to people from all over the world like that's just something that you got to experience uh, with one of these big festivals like mm -hmm. I love that that's a huge bonus for me now is there anything that you would that the festival could be better for you like that you think oh they should do this or they should do that or maybe from talking to these other people around you, is there anything you heard that people would say, oh, I wish they did this instead or anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, often, so a couple of themes come up and not surprisingly, it can be weather related, right? <laughs> like you, you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, like, can't they move this festival out of Northern Germany? <laughs> but, you know, realistically, that's not gonna work, right? Like, you know, the, uh, 
all the history of the festival is in that little town, right? Like, you know, the, the town of uh, Wacken, it's about 2,500, 3,000 people uh, live there. And then, you know, this one week of the year, you know, it blows up to like, you know, 100K or whatever that number is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't think you can move the festival because you lose the history of the town and the holy ground. And um, so, so I, I don't think that's uh, reasonable. I think, you know, little things that I think would be um, useful uh, would be more covered areas. So whether that be the, the, the two extremes, the heat uh, or the rain. So <laughs> if there's actually more covered areas that you can get under, I, I think that would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, traditionally, there's been none. Like kudos to the festival this time. They did have like, they have these three beer garden areas and they actually covered them. So that was kind of cool. Like when it rained in the middle, at least some people can run and get out of the rain. But um, I think probably, you know, having some covered areas for people to get out of the sun uh, or the rain would be, uh, would be useful. Hmm. Now, how, what other have you attended any other festivals like that you can compare this to? I know you've been on the 70,000 tons of metal cruise, but have you been to any other ones? Yeah, so so a couple of years I was uh, I was a glutton for punishment. I was doing uh, going to uh, Wacken, and then uh, immediately after, like the next weekend in uh, the UK, they have Bloodstock. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's definitely a smaller festival. And you know, apologies if my number's not right. I'm going to guess somewhere in the 30k size. Maybe that's bigger now, mm-hmm. uh, or a bit smaller now post pandemic, but. So, uh, you know, that, that was an interesting festival, outdoors, camping, very similar, but, but on a much smaller, uh, smaller scale. Uh, I think in that festival, you didn't get quite as much international uh, attendance. Uh, you definitely had some, but not to the, the degree of Wacken. So uh, you lose a little bit of that and not as many bands and, you know, not, not, not as many international bands. So a great festival festival but you know i still didn't think it was uh uh up to uh to to whack in uh, caliber um the, the uh the other festival that i went to one year uh which is quite good in france is uh hellfest um and mm-hmm. so interestingly that's slowly catching up to what I, I even think it might be uh might might even be bigger than Wacken now in terms of attendees i think they've gotten uh over a hundred thousand at this point but that's very similar um you know again outdoor festival same amount of days uh and you know equivalent artists from around the world so so yeah so, so that one's becoming quite popular but i you know i guess for me there's always this nostalgia uh you know Wacken was the first festival I did uh, I do it every year so for me uh that's always the uh the highlight for me and and like I mentioned you've been on the 70,000 tons of metal now we'll probably and you're going again this year which is in yeah. February right yeah or not this year but next year I mean February yeah 2024 and, and that'll be your fourth one of that but so we don't. We'll probably do a podcast about that after that one, so you can talk about that. But do you want to say anything about that? Like, if somebody wanted to do one of the two, which one should they do? <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. I almost say you got to do both, Blake, because uh, <laughs> they're so different. But you know, back to your previous question, like, how do the other festivals compare? <laughs> so seventy uh, k tons of metal fixes a lot of problems that happen at uh at Wacken, right <laughs> so you could pretty much take the weather out of the occasion because you know everybody's got their own cabin so you know you've got like a nice warm bed you know if it's too hot uh you know the ac's on you got air conditioning <laughs> uh if it's raining you go out you know you can leave the outdoor area and go indoors um there's no mud so you're not tracking <laughs> through the mud uh you know like you're not eating standing up you can actually sit down at 70k tons of metal and, and have dinner at a table uh mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and restaurants. And so, you know, I, I, I probably say as I get older, I appreciate 70K tons of metal more because it's a little, <laughs> uh, a little easier uh, on the body uh, when you hit the, uh, the 50s, I would say. And I, I think I mentioned this on one of the podcasts we did uh, when we talked about this festival, but huge bonus, Blake, uh, every band plays twice. And I can't oh, yeah. emphasize how valuable that is because this year at Wacken, it was the, they had so many great bands. It, it, you know, you can't, it's unavoidable. There was so much overlap. Um, like, you know, I, I think, uh, I think back. So I, I had a choice of doing Iron Maiden or like, you know, I love all types of metal, but I really mm-hmm. am a big death metal fan. So I had to pick Iron Maiden um, or Deicide, right? Doing a special uh, anniversary show of, uh, of their Legion album. Uh, in the end, I chose Maiden because uh, I did see Deicide in the US two or three times recently. So, uh, mm-hmm. but that sucked. I had to give up like multiple cool death metal bands to see that. Um, and then very unusual was two bands that really clashed. Uh, Halloween and... Um, uh, oh, I'm having uh, a mind blank now. Um, uh, anyway, so Halloween and uh, another major band playing uh, a similar style. Uh, and I really wanted to see them both, but again, had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, that was that was happening throughout the day. You literally had to pick one or the other, but you can plan much better on 70K because uh, all the bands play twice. Yes. Now, is oh, that I, something? Sorry, Blake. I just remembered. So that other band uh, conflicting uh, with Halloween was Amorphous. Oh, okay. Um, that, that was a shame, like having to, you know, I was there with my friend. He went to see Amorphous. I went to see Halloween. Like we split <laughs> up because we couldn't even agree together. And because and because of the weather and so many people, it's kind of hard to go, like, say, watch half and then go to the other one because it's such a pain probably to try to travel right over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So e- you're right. Like easier when it's no mud. Yeah. Literally, mud's going to double your length of time to get from point A <laughs> to point B. Uh, you, I did do it a couple of times. Right. So there are a few stages that are a little closer. So uh, I was able to pull that off a few times. But like if you're at one end to the other of the festival grounds forget it it'll never happen you'll never make it now do you now this is something i just asked but do you think if there would you like it better if there was a few less bands maybe so that you wouldn't have to make these decisions but yeah i guess it's yeah an interesting question right like at the end of the day i guess my view is always better the more bands you have right because yeah on us to make the decision right it's better to have too many cool bands than not enough good bands and, yes. you know right so in the end it's probably better to have more of a good thing than less of a good thing even though it causes tough uh, tough choices yeah and it's not like it's a festival just for say death metal or just for thrash metal it's got every kind of genre in there right hair yeah. metal and, if and- they still call it hair metal all the way up to whatever so yeah so there's different people there that might not like everything like you do there might just be somebody that likes the death metal bands and wants to see them right so yeah yeah no, exactly. And they even bring on like uh, Europe's really open to different types of music. Like they'll always bring on like like uh, I didn't get to see them because, again, a hard choice. But uh, I like my classic rock, too. Like so mm-hmm. they had Uriah Heat that were playing. Oh. Um, that's an old band, but like I wanted to see them like. But in past years, they've had Deep Purple a few times. And I know you're a Deep Purple fan, Blake. And so mm-hmm. it was cool to see a lot of like, you know, some of that classic stuff uh, that, that they go and put in there as well. So, so yeah, just a wide variety of music. And yeah, a lot of bands record their uh, Whack and Show for DVDs. Mm-hmm. Like yep. I know Arch Enemy did one there and uh, Twisted Sister and stuff. I had it here, but now I can't find it, of course. Oh, no, Twisted Sister, Slayer did one, Halloween, Saxon, Scorpions, I guess. Even Demu yeah. Borger did one there. And I'm sure there's others. So, 
Um, oh, and it works well because they're actually the majority of the festival is being uh, streamed online. It's being streamed uh, on German television. So all the cameras are there. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching, you know, if you're up near the stage, like you have these massive cameras on these huge, like, you know, uh, counter levers that are moving the stuff over your head and there's like cameras everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. So everything's being filmed. So, uh, yeah, it really suits itself to uh, bands doing live recordings. Now, uh, I was going to ask you, or maybe you wanted the, me to ask you this, I forget, but what were your favorite bands performed or do you want to say... I don't know your favorite band each day or something like that. Um, yeah, I think I just wrote a couple bands. Uh, some of it, when you're there by the fourth day, it becomes a bit of a blur what day it actually is. <laughs> yeah. um, but a, a few shows, uh, and so always cool. I mean, there's the big bands that you're going to see. So, uh, you know, uh, for me, you know, like Halloween and Iron Maiden, uh, Creator. I mean, obviously, those are going to be good shows. Uh, the interesting thing, uh, Halloween and Creator, I actually just saw them here in Toronto like a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see them here, it's on the massive stages and the full light shows and the fireworks and fire. So, you know, that's pretty cool to see it uh like the production value is like you know heads and tails above like a north american tour would be um really enjoyed uh a canadian uh sort of death metal band cataclysm uh love that band you know they've got about uh, 14 13 14 albums been around a while they just really know how to get the crowd going um so that was a really cool show uh, w- one of the surprises of the festival uh, was this uh, band called Drain. They're from California. Uh, they play crossover thrash. That was probably the funnest show I've ever been to. They were on one of the, the smaller stages, but I think they broke security's every rule. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they kept it, you know, uh, uh, inviting the crowd to bypass security and come on stage. Like, and multiple times the stage was filled with people. You know, the singer kept diving into the audience. Uh, you know, and this was so odd. The, the, uh, the band insisted the crowd throw mud at them Uh, and so there was no shortage of mud so people were whipping the mud on the stage Uh, the band members were covered in mud uh, but they loved it like it was just the craziest show musically the band's great like if you like crossover thrash uh, you need to check out Drain but they just put on the craziest show I ever seen Uh, and I could just see security pissed off right they were not happy (laughs) uh again like you know the germans you know they like to do things uh organize and by the rules and these guys broke every single rule and it, it was so funny blake like even the next day i went to see a show at that stage the stage is still covered in mud everywhere uh <laughs> from that uh, concert so i'm sure they got an earful uh, after that uh, performance or they won't get invited back but the other highlight, uh, I'm a massive fan of uh, Marty Friedman, the guitar player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Megadeth, uh, Marty Friedman joined uh, on the stage and played his solos uh, from the songs on Rust in Peace. So that's my favorite Megadeth album. Uh, I mean, I've been a fan of Marty uh, since the 80s when he was doing his uh, solo uh, records. And so he actually had his own show the next day after he played with me, uh, played with Megadeth. Uh, and he did his solo guitar show. Uh, I always wanted to see him. He comes to, I mean, he lives in, in Japan. So we don't get to see him in North America too much. But I just love that performance. He had his band with him. And uh, they were just all instrumentals, but it was fantastic. Like, it, if you're like a guitar uh, nerd, then, then then you'd love his solo stuff. That's so cool. 
yeah, lots of cool stuff. Uh, and one last band I'll say, one of the cool things about the festival is you're going to see a lot of small bands you never heard. So I was just kind of walking through one of the stage areas and there was this band called Sable Hills uh, and they were from Japan and they play this thrash, sort of thrash slash death metal uh, mix. Uh, and I loved it. Never heard of them. You know, they barely speak English, uh, but it was such a, a cool performance. The crowd loved them. Um, so you get you get to see a lot of bands you'd never see in North America. Yes. Now, so if somebody's saying, listening to us talk here and things, geez, I want to go to this thing sometime. Would you? What kind of advice do you have for people that are thinking about going? Now, you already mentioned about having somebody put up your tent and that thing was easy. Yeah. So what would you say to that? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, first thing you got to get your hands on a ticket. So uh, already 2024 is sold out, but there's still a few options, right? So right now you can actually put your name on a waiting list, go to the www.wacken.com website, Wacken Open Air, uh, and they have a waiting list because people who bought these tickets, um, they, they end up with like, you know, credit card problems and payment problems. So often there'll be some uh, tickets that'll come back on. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's probably not your best option because, you know, most people, the, the, the transactions go through. But Wacken runs a, a ticket center to resell tickets. So important to know that the, uh, the Wacken tickets are personalized. They have your name. So you have to show your name and ID in order to get in. So Wacken created their own ticket center. Um, and so probably about, you know, four months before the festival will start, they'll open that up. And so people will start selling their tickets. So many of my friends, they, they get tickets that way. They don't, they're not like me buying them the minute they go on sale. They go through this, uh, this ticket center. So no guarantees that you'll get it, but it is all run by Wacken. So it's up and up, everything is fine. But if you think about it, like 85,000 people uh, are buying these tickets like on August 6th, 19, I mean 19, uh, 2023. And that's for August, 2024. So yeah. you know a lot of people are gonna have family things or their job situation change or something. So there'll always be like tickets that are gonna come up for sale. Yeah. So um, that would be the first thing, watch out for that. The other thing I would say, uh, a big lesson learned through this festival, because um, they literally, you know, the majority of people will, will, you know, people in Europe, they drive there. So they drive, they pull out their tent and they put it up or they come in campers. Um, but, you know, as we talked about the weather, they had to stop those people from coming. So mm -hmm. the one thing that was allowed to come in at all times uh, are these buses. So if you go to the Wacken website, site there's travel partners like I, i've used the same bus company um it's called it's it's actually a french name mondial uh international and they actually will run uh like coach buses <clears throat> you reserve it months in advance um and, and the buses will pick you up in hamburg city or hamburg airport uh and bring you on to the site uh and these buses you know were the only thing that was guaranteed to come into the festival this year so if you're coming from out of town like i highly recommend using these coach buses because mm -hmm. the one thing we learned this year if you're coming in by car you can get stopped if the weather's bad enough the yeah. buses don't have to come on the ground so they don't get stuck in the mud um, so, so that would be another major tip is to use those buses. I've done it for all 10 festivals. The bus has never even left late once. It, it just runs to perfection. Now, if say the weather was good, is it possible? And I know ho there's not many hotels because it's a small city, <laughs> but is it possible to, if you book a hotel in advance to go to and from the festival on each day, if the weather was good and stuff? 
it'd be pretty tough uh it'd be pretty tough Blake like I think there's like if you get to the you know like outside of the uh the immediate city you know some of the neighboring city there is some inns and like I do find a lot of the locals start renting a room I guess it's a good way for them to make money yeah. uh, so there's little stuff like that you can do but it's such a small scale um that I mean if you are lucky enough to get it great but like it's just going to be a major hassle right like driving because you, you can't take your you can't drive in from these grounds yeah uh, and leave your car on the like it, it'd just be too difficult like yeah. i know some people do it they walk uh or maybe some of these little inns will run a shuttle bus uh but then you're on their timeline right so like i, I just can't see it being uh, done well yeah <clears throat> Um, do you want to talk about the metal culture of Wacken? Yeah, and I, I, I think I kind of touched on it earlier when we were kind of talking about, you know, what was good. Um, yeah, again, it's just about, you know, here you have like, you know, you're in this farm in, in northern Germany. You've got uh, 85,000, um, normally 85,000, this year 50,000 uh, people from all over the world with the exact same interest as you. Uh, mm -hmm. And so just that, you know, feeling of, of belonging and being part of the group. And we have nothing like that in North America. Uh, you know, you go to a show or, you know, you go to, I guess Montreal has uh, heavy Montreal, but again, much smaller scale and without this massive uh, international crowd. Um, so, and, and you see it everywhere, right? Just everybody talking and, uh, you know, there's the pre and post parties for Wacken in Germany, where everybody goes and gets together. So those are great. Um, and everybody helps everybody. Like people were getting, like, you know, women were getting stuck in the mud everywhere and men, like literally where they couldn't lift up their leg uh, out of the mud <laughs> and they were falling over. And like, you know, 10 people would come running uh, to help them up. And so everybody's helping everybody. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's a whole camping area in the festival uh, called uh, Wheels of Steel for, you know, people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, and they have like a lot of great programs for, for you know, people with disabilities. Uh, they have their own camping area dead next to the stage. You know, they, they have like a special area for them to get to the stage. Then they all have like um, risers off the ground that, that they can sort of go. And if you have a wheelchair, you can kind of, uh, you know, park your wheelchair there. But, you know, as great as the program is, yeah, you know, the mud's a problem, right, for, for a yeah. lot of people. But I kept seeing, like, you know, like wheelchairs getting stuck in the mud and 20 people coming over and either pushing the wheelchair or everyone would pick up the wheelchair, like four or five guys, and take the person where they wanted to go. Um, so just, you know, it, it's just very inclusive. Um, it's, uh, it's just this special feeling uh, when you're there, right? And, and, you know, maybe for Europeans who go to festivals all the time, for those of us, you know, in North America, uh, who don't have this, it's, it's a special thing that you're not going to get anywhere else. So that's what I consider the, the culture of, uh, of Wacken. Yeah, and that was my next question about disability. So we don't have to, like, if it was accessible, but you already talked about that. Now, uh, what about the band's, like you're saying about how bands are playing at the same time. Is there a schedule? Is there an app or a website you can look at so you know who's playing where at the yep. festival? Yeah, so so a couple of things. So a few days before the festival, they'll print up, uh, they'll put up a running order on the site. So you can always print that thing out. Um, but Wacken actually has a pretty cool app. Um, and so the app will actually have all the, uh, you know, it'll give you like all the, uh, the timelines for the bands by stage. You could like go and pre-populate what you want to see. So you have your own kind of calendar. Uh, it'll actually pop up and give you alerts. Hey, Halloween's playing on this stage in 20 minutes. So get there. Um, so all that's pretty good. And, uh, 
the app is quite good too because it has uh, i use it all the time even though i've been to uh, 10 times uh you're only there like you know once a year but you know the map you can open it up on your on your phone and uh you have like you know a little dot for where you are and when you're trying to find something you can make sure you're heading in the right direction so mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool um but you know i mean unfortunately again not their fault the app didn't work great that first day because you know with the weather and all the delays all the bands were out of order but the other three yeah. days uh it, it it ran perfectly now some of the questions i have for you you're answering them while you answer other questions so okay <laughs> when it comes to was... this festival i can ramble on forever <laughs> <laughs> so i don't need to really ask you about your interaction with metal fans because you've already kind of discussed that what about the pre and post uh whacking parties at the nightlight metal club in hamburg i know you were at yeah. the one before anyway yeah no i actually made it after too okay. <laughs> um so yeah i mean that's cool so the uh within i mean uh hamburg actually has a number of like heavy metal uh clubs uh in the city but uh, the one i always go i as far as i know this is the most famous and biggest one uh, although the club itself is quite small uh it's called the nightlight and so they do uh and basically everyone drinks in the street because it's it's like a small bar but uh essentially the street gets blocked off with uh, people uh and so that's just a great event i, I always go there uh and, and you know generally it's everybody coming in from around the world so again just having a few beers and talking to metal fans from uh, all over the world is uh, always a blast so that probably runs you know i mean i mean it's, it's a bar that's open all the time but th this heightened events probably happen about three four days before the festival uh and about three or four days after um so if anyone's going highly recommended you can go look at the website uh uh, the nightlight, you'll see it there. It's kind of uh, in Hamburg in the uh, Reeperbahn area. So that's where all the parties and clubs and crazy stuff is. So easy to get to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I consider that uh, an actual part of the event, right? I go there, you know, the day or two before the festival and then literally the day I get back, we go and do it again. Um, so highly recommended. Now, uh, what is the food and drink situation like at Wacken? Sure, it's a lot of fast food, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, no fine dining. <laughs> um, so, but but I mean, there there stands everywhere, right? Like serving food, and so I mean, when I think about some of the stuff that I ate, like a lot of uh, you know bratwurst and like German sausage or a burger um or, or kind of uh, a donair or chinese food you know they'll give you a little bowl of like noodles or something so so i mean just endless stand so eating's not a problem um and, and then the beer is pretty cool like beer i mean no shortage of beer uh <laughs> beer is uh, everywhere uh and one interesting fact like you know because you know wacken organized they use this ground i mean this this is was the 32nd or 33rd year uh of the festival um so they actually built like under the grounds uh of the festival beer pipelines so it's sending the beer across the different parts of the festival uh, so you could get like beer quickly uh wherever you are so so that's pretty cool um the other thing that's interesting i posted a pic of this uh the other day is they actually have people that walk around and they have like you know they put this mini beer keg on their back like i guess they're students doing a summer job um and so they're walking around and you know you have your cups um and they have like these little tap guns and they just fill your your beer on the spot right you don't have to leave the show to go get a beer um so that's pretty cool so they they've they've made uh you know getting a beer as easy as like humanly possible for a, for a music festival um so that's pretty cool i mean there's not a lot of beer selection like you know you're pretty much getting the beer that's sponsoring the festival okay. uh but so be it right yeah i was just gonna ask that actually 
I, um, I, you know, it was Beck's beer probably for the first forever. Uh, and this year it was actually um, you know, a different German brewery for the first uh, first or, or unless it was last year may have been the first year, but uh, they're running it now. So um, yeah, um, basic German beer is fine. Now, what would a glass or whatever a beer cost you then Canadian say? Yeah, so so you know a decent sized glass is like five fifty, mm-hmm. uh, and a liter is like uh, ten bucks. Um, so that's when you're on the festival grounds, but you know, um, yeah, you could, you know, like they literally have like, um, all over the festival in the camping areas, they have like little markets, uh, there, you know, wherever there's a shower and bathroom camp, there's a market, but you could go there and buy a can of beer for two bucks. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, they literally have like a market that they build on site and, you know, people will go there and buy like 24 cans of beer. Uh, and they're paying like two bucks for a can of beer there. Um, so, so there's lots of ways to get like uh, cheap beer at the festival. But even like when you're right at the stage and you're buying the more expensive beer, still much cheaper than uh, we would pay here in North America for sure. And is there like they're selling merch and everything like that there too, I'm assuming, of course. Yeah, I imagine merch is probably a good chunk of the uh, profits when all this is said and done. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know how many there'd be, you know, like uh, maybe five, six, seven giant merch stands uh, throughout the festival. And it's all whacking uh, branded merchandise. Um, I mean, one thing I always get is the uh, the basic T-shirt. Like, you know, it has the logo in the front uh, and it has every band uh, written in the back. Um, so I've been collecting those, uh, uh, every year I win. So it's kind of cool. Like you flip it over and it's like, oh yeah, I remember that band or yeah, I remember seeing that band. So that's kind of cool. And then all the bands that come, there's other uh, merch stands. And so, uh, they'll actually sell their own merch and, um, Often they'll do a special shirt for uh, for Wacken. Like this year, uh, Creator had a really cool one, um, and it actually said Wacken. It was a special shirt for Wacken Open Air, um, and so that was pretty cool. Like you know, Maiden's done it. They didn't do it this year, but a few years ago they did a special Wacken Eddie T-shirt. And so uh, that, keep your eye out for that if you're there. You can find some pretty cool T-shirts that you won't find uh, anywhere else. Now, are those are the smaller bands maybe selling CDs and stuff there too, or no, no. Uh, um, so, so I mean, you won't see the band selling it. Like, you actually will have like uh, th- there's a bunch of vendors who obviously, you know, they open stands on site, selling everything from clothes to patches to, you know, you always have vendors selling boots, making a killing, like in a year like this. <laughs> But they also yeah. have a lot of vendors selling like CDs and albums. And so sometimes you might find it, but like, you know, for example, I mentioned that that Japanese band, uh, Sable Hills, like nobody was going to be selling that. Like I'm going to have to sort of order that from Bandcamp when I get back. Uh, the bands just don't have any way to to kind of get, you know, they're, they're locked away in the uh, yes. uh, artist area. And so there's just no interaction to sell their stuff. Yeah, and see you. So you already got your ticket for next year, and they've already mentioned some of the bands. I don't have that listed here. Uh, but what do you think about the bands that have already been announced? Like, are you excited about any of the ones that they've announced so far? Yeah. So um, yeah, so, some cool bands, right? Like, uh, and again, they announced thirty-three, uh, and so there's going to be hundred, you know, probably two hundred more. So um, this is sort of the tip of the iceberg. The only headliner uh, that was announced was Scorpion. So uh, I mean, I don't. I'm Luke. I mean, if there's nothing else playing, I'll kind of go see them. Um, you know, Amin uh, Amin Amarth is going to be there, so they're always fun to watch. Um, there's some uh, cool uh, thrash bands that are there. Um, Violence is going to be playing there. So, yeah, I would say there's probably like out of that 33 list, probably like seven or eight bands uh, that I would definitely go see for sure. 
And I, I did notice the Canadian man unleash the archers is going to be there. That's year. right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I saw that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely go check them out for sure. I think they were supposed to be there probably the one of the pandemic years or something, if I read correctly, and so they got canceled. Oh, so. Um, and we already talked about the bands playing at the same time thing. And there's really nothing, you can't do anything about that. You just have to pick the band you want to see. And, uh, they do yeah. meet and greets. Now, did they still do that very much this year because of the problems? Did they still do that? Do you know? No. Yeah. It, it was running pretty much, uh, like clockwork this year. Um, uh, I mean, I, I passed by the meet and greet, uh, stage and probably the last two days I was going by there quite a bit and everything was running as normal. Um, so yeah, that seemed to be, uh, working, uh, working well. Now the festival hasn't always been on this site. Isn't that correct? Didn't they move it to this site or something? Yeah, I mean, it, it might be in the 90s. Uh, yeah. It was starting because I, I, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I think the first festival might have had 3,000 people. So they definitely weren't kind of, uh, you know, didn't need this kind of a space. But uh, I, I, yeah, they, I, I'd say they've been on here for sure for at least half their years. Uh, definitely mm -hmm. for all the, uh, since 2011, uh, when I've been going, for sure they have. I just don't recall how far back it goes well okay it's it said this according to wikipedia it started in 1990 but there was only six bands at that one and there was yeah, only eight well. eight hundred people okay <laughs> but of yeah, course they well. didn't they, i read somewhere i have to look through this but they didn't really start having well-known bands like probably five or six years after they started. And I think uh, Halloween was one of the first ones, I think, of the well-known bands. But yeah, the attendance has increased. 2007, they had 60,000 people, which was mm. the biggest crowd up till that point anyway. So that's when they became here. Then they had 75,000 for a bunch of years till the pandemic. Yeah. So they must have added more space for these last three years because now they're up to 85,000 people that can attend or whatever. Yeah. So, um, uh, is there anything uh, that I missed that I should ask you about? <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing I'd say, uh, which is kind of interesting, Blake, um, is so uh, Wacken was always a three-day festival. Um, always was a three-day festival. Obviously, the two years got canceled, uh, you know, given the pandemic. Uh, then they came back uh, in 2022, and then they wanted to uh, kind of give the fans a fourth day. Um, and so it was a bit messy. They were charging a surcharge for the fourth day in 2022. Now, as I mentioned, I didn't go, but, you know, some of the main headlining bands for that didn't actually show um so it was a bit of a disaster that day so this year they actually gave us everybody a full uh fourth day for free um mm -hmm. but interestingly this this coming year in 2024 it's staying at four days um oh, okay. so it's looking like four days may become the norm now yeah because i know i didn't really i wasn't paying attention to the days but i saw iron maiden <laughs> played on the saturday night and i was thinking oh this is probably the last day because iron maiden's playing but then i saw oh they're still playing on sunday too but i didn't really remember any really big bands on the sunday was there any big ones on the sunday um yeah so so just it moves back one day though because the they the festival official days were wednesday thursday oh. friday saturday oh, okay. uh, and sunday everybody goes home i think oh, okay. they have, uh friday night actually oh, okay okay yeah, so. you're right like i i did get i clearly got this sense on saturday uh like there was no major major closing band uh yeah. the last band was two steps from hell i think they're called uh, uh -huh. and they do uh, classical music heavy metal like uh -huh. with uh, uh orchestras yeah. and uh, <clears throat> that kind of stuff so yeah like i did find that fourth day although there were good bands like voivod and uh on that last day and marty friedman uh mm -hmm. but yeah it did seem like uh it, there wasn't as many big name bands that day yeah 
Well, that, I think this was very informative to people that might want to go now. Now, they might not be able to go next year. Like we say, it's sold out and there might be a few tickets like that come available. Yeah. But you say there's a waiting list, so it's probably pretty long already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the main thing is, to, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, a couple months before the festival, just go to uh, the website uh, and they'll have a ticket center. And people will be selling their tickets. Like all my friends have generally had pretty good success getting tickets there. So uh, no guarantees, of course, but you might get lucky that way. Yes. Okay. So what's the next concert for you? Do you have uh, one lined up? You know, what's next? <laughs> probably. Uh, I think the next one that I bought a ticket for is not for a little bit. Uh, Cannibal Corpse, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so yeah, that's a little, uh, that's a little out there. I know there's a couple shows in Toronto that I might kind of take a day by day decisions, mm -hmm. but um it's been a crazy run i mean it, it felt like in uh, 2023 all the bands were touring yeah. uh, like i was going to see a show like you know at least once every week or two for months then going to europe and so yeah i, I don't mind uh, a little a slight pause is okay by me <laughs> it gets my breath <laughs> well yeah i know when the pandemic happened a lot of bands were like thinking well we can't tour so let's make an album but then some of them they made their album and then they still couldn't tour. So some of them are even making another album before they tour. <laughs> yeah. Because no, their album's been out for so long. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for talking to me about this today. I think this was great and very interesting. And we'll do this again after you go on your cruise in February. And yep. anything else you want to add about this before we say goodbye? No, I think uh, I think that's uh, that does it, uh, Blake. Thanks for oh, and, uh, having me talk about it. Yes, and oh, I will mention one thing. Of course, you're going to write up some uh, reviews and stuff yeah. of the days and things, so that'll be on our website. So keep your eyes out for that on our website, themetalpit.org, and there'll be some features on that. And I know we had two of our other writers were in Norway at the Beyond the Gates Festival, and there will be stuff about that. So we got a, a lot of festival stuff to to post on our website in the next few weeks or so. So make sure you check our website out for that. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Billy for all this great information and goodbye everybody. <laughs>